It's a space that's adapted to its owner's needs. It sets the mood of the home and reflects the owner's character. It's usually decorated with the things the family most loves. Paintings, pictures, photos, accessories, ornaments, trophies, diplomas. It's the first room visitors see when they enter the house and guests get a sense of the family culture and values when they enter into this space, the heart of the home. So, think about your living rooms at home. Take a moment, speak to the person behind you, next to you, in front of you, and share with them, have we got the screen? What's your favourite item in your living room? What's the favourite thing that you like doing in there? And who was the last person you invited and entertained in that space? One minute just to share those three facts with somebody sat near you. Okay, so you've probably discovered some interesting facts about the people sat around you, maybe some unusual objects they have in their room. Now, if the living room is the heart of the house, then just like our physical hearts, this is a room we need to take care of. Our hearts are at the centre of our circulation system. It's powerful enough to pump 2,000 gallons of blood a day. It sends vital oxygen around our bodies and carries away unwanted carbons. Our spiritual heart, our living room space, needs to be a place of inner strength. This functional space is the heartbeat of the home. It sets the culture and pumps life-giving values through every area of our lives. A healthy heart will also filter out unwanted values and cultures that can cause damage and restrict our inner strength. When our living room spaces are healthy, we have a home where Jesus can dwell. I ask myself, if God empowers us through his Holy Spirit, sorry, if God empowers us with inner strength through his Holy Spirit, what does that look like in our living rooms? I think, my friends, it looks a little bit like this. When the Spirit is present in our lives, it produces fruit, the fruit of the Spirit. And that fruit is our inner strength. The joy of the Lord is our strength. When we feel happy and content, we have joy. When we have peace, we feel strong and confident, not nervous and anxious, because anxiety weighs a man down. It zaps our strength. Kindness is the opposite of unkind. Living rooms full of unkindness are not nice places to be. When kindness is present, there is well-being. When we walk into living rooms filled with these fruits, we want to stay. We feel at home and comfortable. Jesus teaches us how to live with our living rooms full of fruit, full of inner strength. When we live this way, our hearts are full of these fruit and Jesus feels comfortable to come and dwell there with us. There is a key to Jesus coming and dwelling in our hearts as we trust in him. This means that every day to allow Jesus to dwell in our hearts, we need to place our trust in him for everything. The degree to which we trust Jesus shows up in our everyday choices. The living room of our lives is a room that gives us choice. 
We choose how to spend our spare time. We choose who we invite into our rooms. Lots of lifestyle choices are made in the living room. And each one of these choices will have power and influence over our lives. Each one of these choices will shape and mould our hearts and will even have influence over those we choose to do life with. These choices will either power up our inner strength, allowing Jesus to dwell in your hearts, or they'll zap our power and inner strength. As we choose to go our own way, Jesus' presence will get distance from our life, lives as we distance ourselves from him and we drift from his values, putting our trust in our own understanding and turning to other influences. Now, just as our physical hearts send oxygen around our bodies while removing nasty carbons that clog our systems, it's here in the living room we need to circulate life-giving kingdom values whilst removing harmful values and habits. Just as we establish good habits to protect our physical hearts, we need to establish good habits to protect the hearts of our home in our living room spaces. How do we do this? When Paul talks about the armour of God, the part that protects the heart is the breastplate, is the breastplate of righteousness. Righteousness is the quality of living right in the eyes of God, making daily choices that are in line with his kingdom values. The culture and values present in our living rooms should reflect the belief, our beliefs. Our actions and choices should be consistent with our faith and beliefs. Are our living rooms pleasing to God? How do we know if our choices are good choices that lead to inner strength? Jesus helps us out here. He said, He who hears my words and puts them into practice is like the wise man who built his house on the rock. When we hear God's word and put it into practice, into action, we live in obedience to God. When we live out his kingdom values, we live rightly in God's eyes. When we obey God's words, we place our trust in him, live rightly, and we claim the promise of that fullness of life that leads. Yeah. Here's, so I'm going to tell you today, three biblical principles that we can put into action in our living room space to protect the home of our hearts. Firstly, we can guard our hearts and our minds. King Solomon said, above all else, guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of life. Proverbs 4.23. The heart is the source of everything in your life. Your heart overflows into your thoughts and your words and your actions. If your heart is unhealthy, it will have an impact on everything else. It threatens your family, your friends, your ministry and your career. Therefore, guard it carefully. It's also under constant attack. We face hardships, disappointment, discouragement, unfairness, discrimination, failure, all of which can tempt us not to trust in Jesus and to handle things our own way. 
But Paul encourages us, rejoice in the Lord always. I say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put into practice and the God of peace will be with you. Now, Paul obviously understood the principle of gigo, garbage in, garbage out. What you put into your mind determines what you get out. It moulds and shapes your heart, values and beliefs. Paul understood the truth behind the word. Change your thoughts and change your world. Do you know, we have about 10,000 thoughts a day. God has blessed us with 10,000 thoughts a day and it's completely up to you what you do with them. How's your thought life? Ask yourself, is it true? Is it noble? Is it right? Is it pure? Is it lovely? Is it admirable, excellent and praiseworthy? Or would you be embarrassed if your thoughts were being broadcast? on a loudspeaker everywhere you went. Many influences that are streamed straight into our living room spaces sadly don't tick these boxes. We have to choose whether or not to allow them to impact our lives. The things we choose to watch on our screens, the films we watch, the social media we scroll through, the YouTube clips, the gaming stations, the way we treat others, the company we keep, the books we read, our hobbies and pastimes, they all impact our lives, our beliefs and our values, and we need to filter them carefully, kicking out the toxins and only allowing healthy habits to dwell in our hearts. In our house, when we scroll through looking for programmes to watch, if it's rated 18, we dismiss it instantly. We know there'll be content in there that's not consistent with the values we want in our homes. When I was 14, many, many years ago, a programme started on the TV called EastEnders. Now, I've been away at boarding school and I didn't get to follow these programmes, but I was back from boarding school, EastEnders started, I liked it. And I thought, I'm never, ever going to miss an episode. So I watched it for 10 years without ever what, missing an episode. Don't judge me, please. <laughs> it was very different in the early days to what it is now. <laughs> Um, when I got to 24, I had my own children, and I suddenly realised, actually, as much as I'm involved in these characters and what's going to happen next in their lives, I don't want my children seeing and hearing these arguments, this shouting, the aggression. I don't want them thinking this dysfunctional family unit that I'm following on the TV is acceptable behaviour. So we stopped watching that programme because it wasn't something we wanted influencing our kids as they grew up. 
Okay, on to the next one. Number two, guard your mouths. Proverbs 13, 3. The one who guards his mouth, thinking before he speaks, protects his life. Words are powerful. Now for this one, to demonstrate the impact of words, we're going to play a little game. Don't worry, elders, you don't have to get involved. This game's called Add One Word to Destroy a Movie. Okay, so we're going to give you the name of a, a movie. First one is Jurassic Park. I'm going to add one word to Jurassic Park and we're going to ruin it. Do you think we can do that? How do you think we can ruin it? Let's see. We're going to have Jurassic Park Bench. Yeah, it changes the meaning slightly, doesn't it? It's um, maybe not the blockbuster it was originally. And the next one we've got is Iron Man. He's strong. He's powerful. We're going to add one word to that. We might change his image a little bit. Let's go for it. <laughs> Iron Deficiency Man. Are you getting the idea here? We're adding one small word. And the next one, Joe. The Hunger Games Mocking Jay. Oh, how can we bring this one down, I wonder? Mm, let's have a look, Joe. How are we bringing this one down? Hunger Games Mocking Jay-Z. Okay. He looks quite cool. Okay, so we've got Lord of the Rings, the Fellowship of the Rings. Is this touchable? Can we actually bring this down? You reckon we can? Yeah. Any guesses? Here we go. Lord of the Onion Rings. Not so, not so heroic, is it? Yeah, one snap and it's gone. Okay, next one. Okay, so this one, our final one. You get to have a go. Have a chat with the person next to you. What word are you going to use to destroy this one? How to train your dragon. Just a short while. Think of one word. How are you going to ruin this movie with one small word? Okay, does anyone want to share their new movie title? How to Train Your Dragonfly. How to Train Your Dragonfly. Any other ones? Oh, Eva's got one. I'll have to go to the back. Oh, go on then. Shout it out. How not to train your dragon. Go on, Kev. How to train your dragon. Yeah. <laughs> 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 Just check. <laughs> it's on how to potty train your dragon. I like that one. Would you like to see that in picture? I have the slide to go with it. How to potty drain your dragon. Well done, Ben. <laughs> okay. So, words are powerful. All those were used in a negative context, weren't they? We can use them negatively or positively. When we do not guard our speech, we can ruin our friendships. We can ruin our opportunities. We can ruin our character and our integrity. Words matter. Those we speak to ourselves in that inner place and those we speak to others. 
And we use words every day to help build our inner strength and well-being, enabling us to live those powerful lives. We can fast change from iron man into iron deficiency man if we choose the wrong words. The Bible has a lot to say about words, and that's because they're really powerful. So this morning, I thought we'd look at a few of those words in the Bible. And as we do, maybe you can pick one or two out that you can have a go at putting into action today, this week. Okay, so the first one, Jo. Don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those that hear them. Okay. And the next one, stop telling lies. Let us tell our neighbours the truth. And the next one, gentle words are a tree of life. A deceitful tongue crushes the spirit. And then Timothy says, avoid all irreverent babble. I like that. It means gossip. And godless chatter with its profane and empty words, for it leads us to further ungodliness. Just let God speak into your hearts through his word and ask him, where do I need to put a guard on my mouth? In Proverbs, when words are many, sin is not absent, but he who holds his tongue is wise. Have you ever seen that movie? It's just come to my mind, big. Have you ever seen Big? And there's this guy who's a child and he's suddenly a man and he's in the workspace and he just says one word and the, the boss thinks he's absolutely amazing and he doesn't have a clue what he's doing really. So, yeah, I often think of that when I read that verse. Um, let your conversation be gracious and attractive so that, this will, so that you will have a right response for everybody. And a good person produces good things from the treasury of his heart. And an evil person produces evil things from the treasury of his heart. For the mouth speaks what his heart is full of. Then we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way to become more like Christ. The next two you can say as a prayer. You can ask God to help you with the words if you want to place that guard over your mouth. Oh Lord, set a guard over my mouth, O oh Lord. Keep watch over the door of my lips. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Okay, and then the final thing to guard is guard your steps. Guarding our steps is about companionships. Friendships have powerful influences, so we need to choose them wisely. Proverbs says, the righteous choose their friends carefully, but the way of the wicked leads them astray. There's an African proverb that says, show me your friends and I will show you your character. And there's another one that says, show me your friends and I will show you your future. The people you allow in your living room spaces and do life with will impact your life. The psalmist wrote, blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord 
and who meditates on it day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of living water, which yields fruit in its season and whose leaves do not wither. Whatever they do, prospers. The psalmist shows us two different paths here, and the paths are signed by characters of the people who walk on them. The one path is the unfaithful, the wicked, the sinners, the scoffers, and on the other, the fruitful, the righteous who live in the instruction of the Lord. The question is, which path are we on? What company do you keep? On the road of the wicked, there's a slowing down on the journey. They walk, then stand, then sit. Remember the story about the prodigal son. He walked away from home. He stood practicing all kinds of sin and then eventually found himself sat in ruin in the pig pen. We all have to make choices. When we walk along with sin, we take an interest and go along with something. When we stand, we're stopping to have a better look. And when we sit, we've grown comfortable with sin and we're enjoying passing time of life with it. If you're wondering why life has grown to a halt and you're no longer moving forward, maybe that's why. Maybe it's time to find another path with different companions. There's another path a path with good counsel, rich in the instruction of the Lord and the word of God. My friend phoned me once. She was, I knew she was at work. And she said, I've got a break. Are you in? Can I come and see you? I'm like, yeah, come and see me. She got through the door. She said, you've got to help me. You've got to pray for me. I've been at work. I've been working for several weeks now with this woman and we get on really well, we talk really well together, but she swears all the time. Before I became a Christian, she said, I used to swear all the time. I constantly swore. And because I've been working alongside this woman who swears, I nearly swore this morning. I nearly found myself on the verge of saying a word I didn't want to swear, say, and I nearly swore. She said, the first two letters got out of my mouth and then I sealed it quick. She said, before I go back onto my job, will you pray for me? Because I've been influenced by the counsel of walking alongside this lady. She has to work with her and, you know, there's nothing wrong with being with people. But we do have to watch their influence over us and we need to take action. So like my friend came to me and said, will you pray for me that my mind will be guarded? So I prayed for her, she went back to work, but she took action. She saw that creeping into her life and she said, I'm not having it. And that's what we've got to do with our lives and we see things creeping in. And we work alongside people and we have friends who don't have the same values. There's nothing wrong with that, but we do need to make sure we nip things in the bud when we can see and notice our responses are going off, off track. So, guard your steps. Choose friends wisely. Invite into your living rooms of your house those who share your values. As the proverb says, the righteous choose their friends carefully, but the way of the wicked leads them astray. The daily choices we make in the living rooms shape and mould our lives. And it also, if you're a parent here today, 
or a grandparent, it also impacts the lives of our children and others we come into contact with. The values we hold and the choices we make will impact and shape the lives of our children too. They see our example and this in turn influences their lifestyle choices. As parents, God has entrusted these little ones to you. He's placed them in your care to teach and direct them in the way they should go. We can't be responsible for their choices, but we are responsible for teaching them and directing them in the ways of the Lord. When we keep the heart of our home healthy, intentionally filtering and guarding what we allow into our lives, we create a space where Christ can dwell. We create a wellspring that flows through every part of our life and impacts all that we do in life. The living room space is the heart of the home. It's a space where we need to train ourselves to make good everyday choices using God's word to direct our steps and to guard our lives, building our inner strength and allowing Christ to dwell in our hearts by faith. At the beginning when we were singing that song, the last one we sang when Rachel was doing, had it on her heart and we felt the presence of the Holy Spirit, we were talking about the power in God's house. But you can harness that power and you don't have to just have it here on a Sunday morning. You can have that in your houses when you go home. And it was talking about Jesus' blood running through our veins. And we can have Jesus' life running through our veins, in our homes, in our living rooms, in our lives. So should we just pray today and invite Jesus to come? We're not going to leave him here this morning, but we're going to take him away. Let's invite him to show us, put on our hearts, maybe those little things we need to tweak, or maybe there's a major elephant in the room you need to address and get rid of. Or maybe there's just little tweaks. But maybe we can ask God this morning what we need to change to unclog our systems and let his life-flowing blood flow through. Father God, we just thank you that you are the God of life. That you want us to have life to the full. That you want to dwell in our homes with us. Lord, we invite you to come into our houses. We invite you to come into our lives and dwell with us. We open the door to you and we just ask that you'll show us anything we need to change. If we need to move the furniture around and put our priorities in the correct order, show us, Lord. If there are things we need to remove from our lives, show us, Lord. Lord, we just ask you to restore your power in our lives. That we might know your life flowing through our rooms. We pray that the fruit of the Spirit will be evident in our lives. And we pray that we'll know your power and your peace in our everyday lives. Help us with those choices, Lord. Help us to guard our hearts and minds, guard our tongues and guard our steps. Amen.